the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we go into chapter 4, which is where we're at, before we get there, I want to remind you again of the Father's heart for the Colossians and for you. And it's spelled out in Paul's beginning prayer, but I'm not going to read the entire prayer. I just want to remind you of verse 10 of chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. This is his prayer. That you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. Here's the reality of it. If we don't walk in it, if we don't allow the Spirit of God to animate it with our living, then we will not affirm the truth within us. If we do not affirm the truth within us, then it will not seem that it is part of us. It will not be a reality for us. It will be something we do rather than who we are. And you see, the problem with this section of Scripture, not the Scripture itself, but in the way we receive this Scripture, is that it becomes something we do rather than who we are. That's why it's so important for you to understand the source for this behavior, the source for this life, and to embrace it. Last week we talked about prayer. And prayer is really the greatest practice we enter into as far as reinforcing the truth in our lives. Prayer is literally immersing our souls, mind, will, and emotion, in the conscious reality that we are in the presence of God. It's not creating the presence of God. We spoke about this last week. It is not inviting the presence of God or creating the presence of God. It is literally embracing the truth that you are in the presence of God. That's what prayer is. And here it is. It is in the soul, right? We speak prayer. And we think prayer. And we practice prayer. But all of this is a work of the soul... As the Spirit pours through the soul. 
But prayer is simply bathing your soul in the truth that God is there, that He is present. That is why He commands us to pray continually. That is why we we enter into everything we do through prayer. When we truly pray, we drag our focus away from ourselves and our circumstances and put it on God. It reminds us that we are a branch in a vine, not the vine itself. That we need, all that we need from life comes from the vine. We don't create it in the branch. That brings us to our text for today. We left off at verse 4, but we're going to read, I'll read through verses 3 through 6 in Colossians chapter 4. And at the same time, pray for us also that God may open a door to us for the word, the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ, the Messiah, on account of which I am in prison, that I may proclaim it fully and make it clear, speak boldly and unfold that mystery as is my duty. Behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in relation with those of the outside world, the non-Christians, making the very most of the time and seizing, buying up the opportunity. Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, and winsome, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may never be at loss to know how you ought to answer anyone who puts a question to you. Now, I want you to notice that Paul instructs the Colossians on how to pray, and then in verses 3 and 4, he does that in verse 2, and then verses 3 and 4, he requests prayer. That verse, and at the same time pray for us also, that God may open a door to us for the word, the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ, the Messiah, on account of which I am in prison, that I may proclaim it fully, And make it clear, speak boldly, and unfold the mystery as is my duty. First prayer, then behavior. Prayer is recognizing your need. Prayer is placing ourselves in dependency upon the Father. Now he speaks of behavior. Behavior is determining to behave in a way that affirms the truth within. It's living it out. Now, if God gives you a specific direction concerning His will and you obey, that's an act of obedience. But if you are yielded to the Spirit of God and you are living and animating that life within you, that is living in obedience. Now, if we live from the standpoint that we must be obedient and do acts of obedience then these things are vignettes, they're they're circumstances, they're things along the way, but they're not life to us. Christ has given us a life that is wholly obedient. Not obedient in the letter, but obedient in its source, obedient in who it is. And we are to live in that obedience. Once again, I am bringing you back to the reality that obedience is about the source Not about the practice. Not about the presentation. That the life that we live, we live as part, as being abiding in the vine. We don't live it by creating obedience. We live it by being obedient. Do you understand the difference? There's a huge difference. First, prayer, then behavior. Paul knows that apart from yielding to the abiding life of Christ, he will be too self-focused to be bold 
and too distracted by his circumstances to be able to minister. The man's in prison. So the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, is making it clear that he is dependent upon the abiding life within him to do the things that he must do. Paul is telling the Colossians that he lives out of relationship, not out of practice. That he is completely dependent on Christ, both for the opportunity, he speaks of the door, the message, the clarity of the message, the fullness of the message, the completeness of the message, and the boldness in which the message is given. In all things, he is dependent. In Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness and the unfettered eloquence of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the school, common men with no educational advantages, they marveled. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see, this is the boldness that Paul's talking about. It's a boldness that's derived from the presence of God. It's a boldness that's derived from being in the presence and living in communion with God. That's the boldness that Paul once demonstrated. That's the boldness of the message. That when somebody has the truth, it's not enough just to, to know about the truth. When you know the truth, you're bold in your speaking. Because you express it. Now, yes, certainly, when we're talking about things like evangelism, he is not talking that you need to present it in a certain way, that you need to show confidence. This is not a series from the Toastmaster crew. What this is, this is you living out naturally what you have within you. Allowing that expression to be who you are. And it'll be uniquely you. If you stutter, it'll be the ministry in stuttering. If you stumble in your speech, it'll be the ministry in stumble. If you're one of those people who who has trouble putting words together, then it will be your ministry in, in an ineloquent way. There is such a word. I'm telling you that... Christ's expression in you is unique, but it is to be unique. One of the hardest things for Christians, particularly in the well-churched Christians, is that they, they have a standard created for them as to what this is supposed to look like. All of you in this room, when you hear Paul speak about behaving and, and bringing the message with boldness, and fullness, and clarity, I would imagine in very short order, you could bring to mind what that should look like, couldn't you? But I guarantee you that when God puts you in the position to bring that forward, you have no idea what it'll look like. But it'll look exactly like you. It'll be you in obedience. And the expression will be exactly what God wants it to be. We can allow the life of Christ, to flow naturally by yielding the soul to who He is, to His Spirit. In Acts 4.31, they were in the upper room, and when they prayed, the place in which they assembled was shaken, and they were, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. They prayed, they yielded themselves to receive the Spirit, and the Spirit animated their lives and their message. That's what happened. Well, you know what, guys? We're not talking about those special times when you're going to go witness. We're talking about life. 
moment by moment, day by day, getting out of bed, recognizing that as you go forth, this boldness is not about you grabbing lost people by the collar. This boldness is a boldness of confidence that says, I have his life in me and he loves me. I will bring a witness forth in my confidence. I will bring a witness forth in the way I live, in my countenance, in the way I work, in the way I go. I will affirm who I am in Christ with boldness as the Spirit animates the truth of the life within. The reality for Paul is that all of this is the work of God. He makes that clear. It's the work of God that he's participating in. He recognizes that God called him and that God will do it or it won't get done. It was God's calling and it was God's power. And listen, you say, well, the Apostle Paul was called because he was an apostle and he was a minister. Yeah, you were called. You were called to him. And you were called to him to be who you are as a child of God. And that who you are as a child of God is to flow freely. And we often get nervous about how God's going to express His life through you. But let me give you a little, a little verse that will help you. And I've read it to you before. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is He who is calling you to Himself. And utterly trustworthy. And He will also do it. Fulfill His call by hallowing His name. Who's He calling you to? Himself. That calling doesn't go away. That is continuous. And you know what? He has His life within you. So what is He really calling? He's going, look at me. Hear me. Quit staring at the world. Quit staring at your circumstances. Quit staring at your problems. Quit focusing on the failures of others. Quit being bitter. Look at me. I am calling you to myself. And faithful is He... Faithful is He who is calling you, who will also keep you. Oh, that's so good. Because I'm not fighting an undertow. I'm not running away from who I am to try to be something else. I am running into the arms of God, who has already called me His own, and He is keeping me. Oh, well, if He is keeping me, then what does that imply? That implies that everything that God wants to bring forth in my life, He will do it. He will do it. Well, you're making that sound awful easy. No, it's by faith, my friend. It's by faith. And yes, there's a simplicity to it. God created it that way. But there's still a struggle. Because we so want to see ourselves as individuals. We so want to see ourselves as independent. From the beginning, man has wanted to stand on his own. Eve took the apple so that she, or whatever fruit it was, so that she might be able to see what was good and evil for herself. While she may have it in her heart to please God through it, she literally took upon herself independence. And you know we're still trying to eat from that tree, aren't we? Every day we try to eat from that tree. Now, Paul instructs the Colossians how to behave how, or animate the Christ life. 
Let your behavior be the expression of Christ, is what Paul is saying. So we come now to verse 5 of chapter 4. Behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those of the outside world, the non-Christians, making the very most of the time and seizing and buying up the opportunity. Now, to behave is to conform yourself in the way you act to a specific standard. In this case, we are to conform ourselves to the wisdom of God. Well, what is that? Well, you know what? The way it's been taught so many times is that the wisdom of God is, is all of the commands of God. The wisdom of God is all of the things that He tells you to do to be obedient to. That's the wisdom of God. No, it's not. It's not the wisdom of God. You're not to conform yourself to, to obedience. That's the work of the law. That's not the work of God. You know what the wisdom of God is? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.24 But to those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Conform yourself to the wisdom of God. Well, how do we do that? Christ is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 30, it says, But it is from Him that you have your life in Christ Jesus, who God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge of a divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as our righteousness, thus making us upright. I guess He'll take care of that. And putting us in right standing with God, and our consecration, thus making us pure and holy. Okay, I guess he'll take care of that. And our redemption, providing for our ransom from the eternal penalty of sin. Well, I guess he took care of that too. What does that leave us? <laughs> Faithful is he that called you, who will also do it and has done it. He has done it all. Paul says, conform your behavior to Christ in your relations with the outside world. Some of your translations may say, conduct yourself. This word is in the present tense imperative mood, which means it is a command for you to continually walk in wisdom. Now, though the context is in your encounters with the world, what that means, what Paul is talking about, is a lifestyle. A lifestyle of living, behaving in the wisdom of God. Who is the wisdom of God? Christ is the wisdom of God. How do we behave in the wisdom of God? By yielding our lives, our souls to Christ. Now, I make that distinction because, again, it's very important for you to know that you have the life of Christ and that you are in union with the life of Christ. There is no separation between the two. But the soul itself is to be where that life has preeminence, where it is filling that area. And if it doesn't, then what you're doing is you're walking about this world and in the soul you are collecting worldliness and godlessness and independence and distractions and all manner of things within the mind, will, and emotion that create for you a duality that says this is who I am and this is who Christ's life is. And I want to have Christ's life, so therefore I must deny who I am. Now we know that that Scripture specifically says that's wrong, but that's our emotional perception most of the time, isn't it? That's so wrong. 
You know, we can have so much freedom if we recognize that we're not recreating ourselves or denying ourselves. We're literally being ourselves. Is that hard to realize? That when we say that sin doesn't suit you, we're saying that it's not natural for you. That you are a new creation in Christ. Well, you say, Todd, you keep saying that over and over again. Okay, is it necessary? Absolutely. And you know what? Here's the other thing. It's sad but true. What Paul is so, so adamant about teaching you to animate that life through your behavior, teaching you to walk in that life, teaching you you must pray, you must walk in the truth. He says it over and over again. He gives examples. He continually asserts that this is the way we are to live. Do you know why he does that? Because that is the affirmation that you need to recognize that you are in his life. That is the affirmation that you need to seal the truth of who you are. If you don't walk in it, you don't affirm the truth. If you don't affirm the truth, then you find that there is a duality created by your behavior. And then you doubt. And then you are unbelieving. And suddenly it's not your life, it's His life. Well, I recognize it's His life, but your life is in union with Him, and you are a new creation. Your very expression is His nature. That's the way He created you. Do you know when you get to heaven, all they're going to do is make a better vessel out of you. They're going to drop this old tainted vessel, which is the remnant of Adam. They're going to drop it, and they're going to give you a resurrected new life. And then that new life, that new body that you have, you'll be the full free expression of Christ Himself. You won't be Christ, you'll be His child, but you'll recognize that you are like Him. You are like Him. That's what Paul is trying to get across to the Colossians. It's what he tried to get across to the Ephesians. It's what he tried to get across to the Philippians. And in each case, he is continually bringing the same truths over and over again before us so that we recognize that this is something we cannot ignore. It's more important to the life within us, to the soul of us, than food, than air, than water. Because it is a greater reality and a greater truth, a greater affirmation of who we are than the body is. We are to live in this context 24-7. It is to be our practice of living. Listen, you don't get to do anything or feel confident in anything unless you practice in it. Isn't that right? It's a practice that gives you confidence. You know, if, if it would be one thing if I sent all my children to driver's ed, but I'd never let them drive. Well, once they got behind the wheel, it'd be like this, wouldn't it? Herky-jerky, stomping the brake, hitting the accelerator, powering into the red light. All of that stuff would be going on. Some of you drive like that anyway. But that's, that, that would be going on because they would have no confidence. They would overcompensate. They'd be jerky. And it would not feel natural, would it? In fact, it would be stressful. But we don't think anything about getting in the car and driving over to the store. Well, let's go on up to the store and get something. It's no big deal. We're looking in the rear view mirror, hopefully. We're checking the back. We're, we're buckling up. We're driving. We're watching all this. We're riding in between the lines. Isn't that wonderful? We're doing all those things. Turning the turning signal on, I hope. We're doing all these things. We're not even thinking about it. It's natural. Practice. 
practice. Living out the truth. Colossians 1.29, Paul talks about this. He says, For this I labor unto weariness, striving with the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. You see, Paul recognized that it was a constant push in him, but he also recognized that that calling, that push, was empowered by the life within him. You see, this practice I'm talking about starts with the first step of faith. You know, and here's the thing about faith. It's, it's not us stepping. Faith is not us stepping and being successful and therefore our faith is affirmed. Faith is stepping whether we're successful or not and continuing to walk, whether we fail or not, continuing to walk, continuing to believe. Each step, continuing to believe. I will not stop believing even though I falter, even though I fail. I will not stop believing. I will live in the truth. I will live in the practice of who I am, the new life that is within me. I will not stop. That is the affirmation of faith. It's not something we self-discipline ourselves into or do with training. It's the work of God. We determine by faith to yield to the truth. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.